The election of 2016 will go down in history as one of the biggest mistakes America has ever made. One of. The world is waiting in hopes that we can prove that our judgment is better than this. We're here today to make sure an election like that never happens again. Of course, I'm talking about the election of the inductees into the 2016 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Of course you're talking about that. What else would you be talking about? It's all about about turnout. A great inductee to this hallowed Cleveland building might have changed the way we experience music, or perhaps Perhaps they've influenced the next generation of great artists, and the next, and the next. I'll even throw in folks who helped us dress cooler. Reasonable standards, right guys? Agreed. By those standards, 2016 was a garbage year for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They inducted four bands of white guys whose uninspired work makes me want to shut off my damn classic rock radio station. Cheap Tricks, oh, they were good. Steve Miller Band, Chicago, and Deep Purple. They were also good. Also, well, uh, there was a rap troupe called Niggas with Attitude <laughs> that opened the door to new possibilities and changed popular music forever, but a ton of dumb people went, Rap in the Rock Hall? What? what? I want rap in the yeah. Rock Hall. So let's focus on the, quote, appropriate inductees, which were all garbage. No, 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 no. Cheap Trick was kind of popular for a second with a cool live album and then just chased trends for 10 years. No, no, no. They, their first five albums were all great. Steve, they're all shut, fucking great. Shut the Steve. fuck up, Steve. They were all fucking... You haven't heard them, have you? We I, like, need, they, I need these to be bad for the whole premise of the show to work. Hold so on. just roll with me. Well, cheap you Trick. listen to those albums. We though. all like Cheap Trick, but there's a high standard to get into the Hall of Fame. High bar. There's a high bar. And, and, and I, they, they should it. eventually get in there, but I don't God know if they it. were over other people. Listen... Anyway, continue with your premise. The band Chicago is like the guy who stays too long at your party. (laughs) And Deep Purple, well, you heard the... uh, uh, Pooping. If you need to be reminded of the turds that they influenced, listen to Steve's Hard Organ episode again. They're great. These Founding fathers of heavy metal. These fellas we're hearing now, the Steve Miller Band, as our friend Dave Holmes put it, they made music teenage boys can get 70% excited about. (laughs) And as I put it, uh, they can put this grown-up 100% to sleep. I mean, listen to this one. This is a song called Abracadabra. This should be exciting. This sounds like the magician just shot up with morphine. How do you make a song with laser and whip sound effects this boring? Well, you write a chorus with virtually no melody, and that's part of it. There you go. So, what could have made the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame voters make such shitty decisions? The fact that Beyond Yacht Rock wasn't around to tell them what to vote for, that's what. Yeah, that's a big, that's a lot to do with it. So, we're here now, and our opinions are hot enough to burn holes in your ballots. Welcome to the Beyond Yacht Rock Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Voters Guide 2017! Beyond Yacht Rock. This is Beyond Yacht Rock. My name is JD Riznar. Over there's Hollywood Steve. Hello, I'm Hollywood Steve. We got a David to the Lions over here. What's up? I'm David to the Lions. That's right, Hunter Stare. Yep, that's me. We're the- hey, Hunter! We're the podcast that creates musical genres and counts down the best songs in that genre. Uh, but today is... On the fives, we do wild card episodes. Yes, today is 45, so it's wild, and we are, we are like I said, we're going to tell you who to vote for uh, for the Rock and Roll Hall of and Fame. I, and I really like the term on the... Yeah. On the fives. On the fives. And on the tens. Yacht Rock yeah. on the tens. Yeah. Wild cards on the fives. It's very radio. Yeah. 
It's perfect for um, this music podcast of ours. But because we invented the term Yacht Rock, that was our invention. We're geniuses. We like to throw a bone to Yacht Rock fans every week. So, Hunter, we're doing a double whammy here with a Hall of Fame inductee who had a Yacht Rock song. Who is this? Nominee, oh, not right, inductee. Nominee, nominee, nominee. nominee. Well, what would the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame be without the Yacht Rock Wing? Which I'm assuming is there since our dumb podcast and our small but loyal and very smart listeners have done more for rock and roll than say, in the last 20 years than say, reality show singing competitions like The Voice or Clear Channel or MTV. We're keeping rock and roll alive. We talk about it every week. I love that even in our wild card episodes, we're able to find the Yacht Rock song that yeah. fits the theme. So this, uh, this year's Yacht Rock nominee, with all due respect to Steve Perry's collaboration with Randy Goodrum, Brilliant. is the queen of funk, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Khan. Here with a lesser-known song off of 1984's. <laughs> that was terrible. Oh, you sold it so hard. I tried. 1984's. I feel. See, I wrote Chalk. it. Chalk. 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 See, I wrote it, so I had to say it. Well, you're David to the Lions. What? What? What, what is this? Uh, man. Anyways, this. There's is, a microphone here. This is from 1984's. <laughs> I feel for you. This is through the fire. Uh, you know, beyond Prince's title track, Chaka uh, uh, dips a toe in Yacht Rock on this album, performing songs by Carol Bayer Sager, uh, Gary Wright, and the maybe yachty Michael Sambello, and here with David Foster and Cynthia Wheel. Wile? 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 Who knows? Wile. Wile! Who you'll find wrote many yeah, Yachty well, songs. Cynthia Wile is unbelievable. Her and her partner, Barry Mann, yes, just they both songwriting powerhouses. Yeah. And if we ever do another songwriter series, uh, dibs on Cynthia. You got it. And uh, so on this song, David Foster plays keys and uh, synth. Michael Landau from Maxis takes guitar. Uh, this is classic 80s Foster Yacht Rock. Um, and also on the rest of the album, you have Robbie B- Buchanan from Maxis, uh, the Totos, or the Toto Steves, Lukather, and uh, Pocaro. Uh, they make an appearance on the song Holder, which is also pretty good. And I want to say, I'm really proud of myself because when Hunter played me this song, goes, This is going to be the bone throw. I was like, this is a David Foster song, isn't it? I just, yep. I, I just love that I, I'm starting to develop, develop an ear for yeah. this garbage. What a stupid, <laughs> what a stupid like expertise to have. This yeah. is classic <laughs> Foster, 80s yacht rock. Uh, so, while Chaka probably won't make, now I'm just laughing at myself whenever I say her name. Uh, while she won't, she probably won't make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She definitely makes the toe dip wing of the of the Yacht Rock Hall of Fame. Which I think is Dave. Is that in your shed? Well, I've got two sheds, and I haven't been in one of them for a while. Oh, it's like that Monty pro- Python character, Arthur Two Sheds Jackson. Huh. They pro- somebody probably built a yacht rock wing of the Hall of Fame in, in that shed. Uh, I'm gonna check it out when I get home. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, if we want to score this, um, this is a pretty. I give this. I'd give a perfect David Foster type yacht rock song around an 85. Um, and this is pretty close, so I'll give it an 81. You know, I do have uh, the old Coco's Lucky Harpoon and a ship's wheel in my shed, so that's probably as close to a Yacht Rock Hall of Fame as exists. <laughs> yeah, that's it, right? Yeah. It's, a good, it's a good foundation. That's what I was yeah. talking about. I'll give this an 82. Uh, I this, this could have been on Thriller. There's lots of similar production elements. I'd, I'd go 87 on this one. Yeah. Some solid Yacht Rock uh, from Yacht Rock's Curtain Call Years. 
Uh, to my ears, it's it's starting to dip a little bit of a toe into adult contemporary. No, as well, no, it's still early enough. It's still early enough that it's got those those Foster Yacht Rock signatures. I'm gonna go 76. All right. Ooh, this is good anticipatory music for the score. What's it gonna be? It is good. 81.5. Oh, wow. All right, so Shaka Khan, Fire, 81.5. Yeah. Wait, what's her name? Shaka Khan. Shaka, 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 Shaka Khan. Shaka, 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 Shaka Khan. All right, so in this episode, we're still listening to Shaka, 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 Shaka Khan. In this episode, we'll be taking you through the 2017 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ballot and arguing why you should or should not be voting for the nominated artist. We have some casual, we'll have some casual conversations for most of them, some barroom banter, if you will, as we're because we're so good at it. Loose and off the cuff. Uh, this is Steve's wet dream. <laughs> but for our favorite nominees, we'll be making more impassioned, well-researched arguments. Each of us has, have picked our favorite nominee and chosen three songs that best make the argument for their inclusion into the hall. So, Hall of Fame bo- voters. That means we'll be naming four acts you must vote for. Yes, you don't have a choice. And that gives you voters a fifth freestyle pick. So ballots are due on December 15th. For those of you who have already voted, you'll find you have made some very grave mistakes. Mm-hmm. We're going to tell you all about them right now. Mm-hmm. So before we start, what do you guys uh, look for in the perfect Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominee? All right. I, for me, the most important thing right off the bat is influence. Uh, would the face of music be the same if they didn't exist? What contribution do they make to music as a whole? Then I'd look at their entire catalog. I love Richie Valens. I can name five songs without looking, and that's three more than most music fans. And while I respect his trailblazing legacy for Mexican musicians, one album isn't really enough to get you there. Conversely, well, to be fair, he didn't have a whole lot of time to make others. I understand. Conversely, <laughs> 18 albums of pure shit, like the Steve Miller Band, that shouldn't qualify either. I agree with that. You yeah, thank you again, Steve. Who's going like, I picked up a guitar because I love the Steve Miller Band, and here's my classic album that I made. Oh, exactly. Those, those, nom- those inductees last year were terrible. Yeah. Honestly, the inductees last year were so bad that it kind of it spawned all these articles of why the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is bullshit. Uh, but I'm saying you need a solid catalog of good music. Uh, or multiple significant tracks, deep and long helps. Mm-hmm. It always what? helps. What? Deep catalog. Oh, catalog. long uh, time. Like that a helps. dick hunter. Like a dick. dick. And oh, a, pussy, bro. a dick and a pussy. Yeah, deep and long. <laughs> uh huh. Um, I think fame is important. I think it's it's it, you always get bonus points if you've heard of these people. <laughs> um, but it is the Hall of Fame. Definitely not the case. Influence, yeah, that's that's half of the. Yeah. <laughs> Influence. Like I get a little peeved when like a, a songwriter you've never heard of get like Laura Nairo gets in, but the songs she wrote are incredible. Maybe she deserves to be there. Yeah. But. Uh, Fame and influence is also a very big one for me. Just and to me, the uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, like how how important is fame to you? It's it's, pretty, it's up there. It's like it's super high. So I get it. We're like you know, there's a guy we'll talk about today. So that's kind of why Cheap Trick got in, though. Well, yeah, no, they it, got in because their first five albums are awesome. I'm not saying that like I'm not saying that you'll be disqualified. I'm not saying fame is the only thing. You have to be famous. Uh, here's what I'm saying. If you somebody, want it to factor in is if, what you're saying. Yeah, if somebody unfamous gets in, I'm like, give me a break. Somebody you've never heard of. Yeah. Hey. Hey. I've never heard of anyway, that person. What, what do you look They're for? They're bad. <laughs> what do you look for, Hunter? Uh, oh, everything you guys have said. I mean, it's a Hall of Fame. Yeah. So you have to. First off, I, I'm i sorry, but Deep Purple deserves to get in there because if somebody created a genre, 
because of their style of music, their creative and original style of music, they should get in. Yes, absolutely. That's why, yeah, Deep Purple is one of the founding fathers of heavy metal. They needed to be in. And, it, and it, that goes beyond influence, because there, there may be somebody who cr- basically created his genre that somebody else heard and said, I'm going to do that, and then and then nobody heard of that first band that influenced the one who was widely more influenced. You don't know where that influence came from. But, like, I don't know, like the Baseball Hall of Fame, there needs to be, like, a veterans community that gets those people in who maybe you've never heard of but were wildly influential from just one song or something else. Like Ron Santo, R.I.P. So, yeah. so this From was, Santo and Johnny? So, listen, Shaka Khan... No. Shaka Khan is one of the uh, nominees. Uh, do you guys think she should be in? I don't think. Wait, she... I didn't say my thing. <laughs> I thought you already did. No, Hunter no. interrupted me and uh, I let him go. Oh, he, no, he said. Uh, don't argue. Oh. Just go ahead, Steve. <laughs> I, I, I also wanted to add that you need. You also, in addition to all those things, those external factors, you have to have a creative legacy. You have to have really good music. Like it really helps me. Like. You, if you have something that's really truly classic to hang your hat on, like some kind of masterpiece that elevates you into the upper echelons of musical artists, that to me that can help make up for a smaller or a less consistent catalog. I, like for example, NWA, they don't have that many good songs, but the songs that they have are so fucking great and change the face of music so so much that yes they absolutely deserve to be in the rock and roll hall of fame and i and i think to piggyback a little bit with what steve has to say is that i also think that if somebody like nwa is in there i know that that's one of the few rap groups and a movie came out that year that that the voters know but they need to start doing their job and pick up the put the people in there who influence nwa yeah, they first. need they need yeah. to learn their shit. They with, need to learn their history. With them. Those are the people that get in like thirty years after they're first eligible. That's the way it goes. But, but they, I, I don't doubt that they deserve to be there. But the politics of the hall will say those will get in like thirty years after they're eligible. Yeah. But anyway, let's talk about Shaka Khan real quick. I don't think she should be in the Hall of Fame because I think she's. I feel like she's just a lady singer that didn't really have a lot of influence over people. Even, so that's what I'm t- even though she is famous and we know her songs. Yeah. Like who's how many people are really going like Shaka Khan is a person who made me pick up a microphone. I can name two Shaka Khan songs, and they aren't the ones we just listened to, because I already forgot them. I, one one thing about, and another thing that I should have said earlier, is that with, with those genres, I think they eventually need to start opening up the wings of, of areas. If you have, if you're going to get in a funk, like, let's start putting in specific parts of rock and roll and make sure that they're well represented then she probably should get in because she was known as the queen of funk. I mean, she was, at, for she is the female funk. But why? Because her agent called her that? Why is she the queen of funk? Anyway. Because there weren't that many female funk singers. Like, yeah. Like, we're talking about her work with Rufus at the same yes, time that we're talking, talking about, about her solo career. I'm on the fence about her because, like, I can, I can name a few of the big hits, but, like, I can't point to, like... Does everybody in the world need to own Rufus's greatest hits? I'm not sure that they do. Like their their legacy may boil down to just a few key tracks, and I'm not sure that there's enough. Like, obviously, she's a great singer. I just don't know that there's quite enough of a legacy 
to put her in. I can I can definitely see her getting in. I don't think she should go in because there's so many other yeah. people that need to be in there. You her in five. Yeah, yes. I, uh, yeah. Let's move on. We've got a lot to get through. <laughs> little hey. bad brains, Dave. I know you have an opinion about these guys. Yeah, dude. You're this the punk punk of all of us. Uh, no one in this room likes bad brains more than I do. That is true. But as thrilled as I am that they're nominated, I just don't think they're accessible enough to get in. Most people on the uh, the voters, uh, they, they don't know who the fuck this is. Their first album is a perfect hardcore record. I hope, like hell, that I'm wrong, but I don't think they stand a chance. I mean, how influential were they? I know they were a very important early black punk band. Yeah. Maybe they they influenced they they they, they were pretty of, prominent a lot in the of DC. Black kids picked up picked up instruments because yeah. they of them. I feel. But you know, there were other black hardcore bands before them. So you feel like they deserve it, but they won't make it in. Um, I would like to see them in. But I don't even know that they do deserve it. Although I have the I, utmost respect for them. Dave, I want to ask you this: as a punk fan, mm -hmm. how often do you go back and listen to Bad Brains music? Rarely. I think in my collection, I only have their first album. Maybe yeah, every I mean, once that's in a while, one of the key when I'm ones. a couple of the ones the I go back are pretty good. Too, I, honestly, I go back and listen to them because they made a lot of interesting music. But it goes to the same thing. If there, if this was the Punk Hall of Fame. They should be in. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And they but should the rock be one and of the first Hall of Fame, ones. But the I problem just, is five five people a year, and you, like, marginalized genres just don't get in. And to me, also, if you're going to put a hardcore band in, I feel like Black Flag or maybe the Dead Kennedys should get in before Bad Brains. Because both of those bands have masterpieces. Okay, so when JD Sorry, go goes ahead. like this, this we means to, we got to wrap, wrap it up. It up. We just so everybody understands. Except that I don't signals. want to. Concise. Because I'm not done yet. Concise this, stuff. <laughs> concise don't worry. Stuff. With the next one, we'll be very concise. Yeah. It's the same thing. In their genre, this is Depeche Mode. Mm -hmm. People are people. That, that if you were doing a British... I, I, what what is it? it would like they're depressing British alternative? What they call it? <laughs> new wavy electronic stuff. Then then yeah, they got one in foot in alternative, one foot in new wave. And Hunter, this speaks to your point. If Joy Division, New Order, and the Smiths aren't in, yeah, then Depeche Mode shouldn't but be. But see, I feel like all of those bands should be in, and The Cure as well. Like the right. top tier bands in the field of depressing British alternative, all should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But let's get let's get those in first before Depeche Mode. Right. And don't the, vote for Depeche Mode this. Year voters. It's just that it, it, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is so bottlenecked with nominees right now, and yeah, and a lot of like the 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 80s alternative band, like a lot of classic music, is just not in that boomer wheelhouse where they're gonna go. Oh yeah, they're still worried about getting like the dregs of classic rock radio in like the fucking Steve Miller band. Yeah. All right, Dave. It's time for Dave's favorite inductee. All right, Bumpers by Ocean City. The Bumpers. Listen to them. They're funny. What band is this, Dave? Ah, uh, this is the MC5. This yeah. is Rocket Reducer 62. Parenthetical Rama Lama Fa Fa Fa. It's a good subtitle. And I fucking love this band. What we're listening to is the birth of punk rock. Mm -hmm. They formed outside of Detroit in 1964, and this is off their first release from 1968. JD, you want to skip this forward to about the minute mark? It's a What's lot of thing, them. boss. Thank you. This is their first release from 1968, and I want you to think about that for a moment. This is seven years before the Ramones released their first album. 
Not to mention, this was in the middle of the hippie movement, and this sounded nothing like the other music of the day, like Hand Heat of the Birds and other mellow stuff like that. Like, I challenge you to find a band that sounds like this before them. Afterwards, it's a, there's a flood. Yeah. An absolute yeah. flood. Yeah. Um, Hunter, you mentioned that Sonic was invented. Well, I didn't mean I wrote it. That yeah. The, that the word Sonic was invented to describe the MC5. Yeah, hence the... Uh, hence the name of the band, the Sonics. Guitar and, and vocal stylings of Fred Sonic Smith here in the band. It's a good nickname to have if you're a musician. Yeah. Um, the MC5 was a band who was like, fidelity doesn't matter. Like, excitement is the bones of rock and roll. And without excitement is jelly. And after the MC5, everybody knew that was true. Yeah, this is so loud and raw and noisy and, like, nobody sounded like this. At that time. Like, this they, maybe, they maybe would come close, but they, 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 these guys just took it to a completely different level. And it's true about the fidelity thing and that they were raw and and live and just and just left it all on stage. But I think a lot of the MC5, and this we're talking about nominees to the, to the Hall of Fame here, their next two albums, and particularly High Times, is 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 quite fidel. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 produced it correctly and they're really good albums that are that are good rock and roll albums that were done in a studio and I think those get overlooked. Yeah, and even though they only had 3 albums, they're all fantastic. Yeah, they definitely have the creative legacy. Absolutely. This is off their first album and it was recorded live at the Detroit Grand Ballroom. Uh, it's been said that this is an album that refuses to be played qu quietly. And their combination of blues, jazz, and straight-up rock and roll created a frenzy of power and emotion. Their live shows left audiences completely drained like a fucking street fight. I think they have a really good chance of getting in because this is one of those bands that people talk about to sound smart, and that's going to help with the voters. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I think they're a shoo-in. Yeah. Yeah. This one's a excited. There's a funny bumper. He said, "Put your hands together, have them make a clapping sound." Yeah. These bumper sound just like the MC5. They They're do. I got. I got. I was like, oh, it's like, well, it's almost a little Sean on esque but I'm, I'm in my groove. <laughs> Listen to this Fidel on this. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, this Fidel. is off their second album. Um, what is it? Um, back in the USA. Back in the USA, yeah. bro. Uh, this one's a little more of an upbeat song, and I'm really sad about politics right now, so let me talk about their political platforms. Mm. John Sinclair, the band's manager, former uh, Detroit poet, was prompted by Black Panthers founder Huey P. Newton to start an organization called the White Panthers. The idea was, to re uh, was a response to asking what white people could do to help support the Black Panthers. The original intentions were a far-left, anti-racist group that were pro-marijuana, but John Sinclair had several marijuana possession busts. <laughs> so at least he was consistent. Yeah, but after he started the White Panthers, he was busted and sentenced to nine and a half years just for possession. Them days is over. Yeah, but he ultimately was indicted in connection with the bombing of the Ann Arbor CIA offices. The entire band was the face of the White Panthers and took over a frat house in Ann Arbor where they lived and operated. Not exactly your sum 41 level of punk. They were the real deal. Yeah. They're famous for being the only band that showed up for the 1968 Democratic Convention in Chicago. Janis Joplin couldn't make it. They invited every band in rock and roll. Yeah. And, only the, and only the fucking MC5 showed up. But the cops and the National Guard outnumbered the protesters 23,000 to 10,000. There were undercover police in the crowd. They started shoving people. Then the helicopters came in. The band threw their equipment in the van and drove across the lawn to escape and drove straight back to Michigan. 
These guys represented a true revolution. They offered the idea you could change your world with your own hands, and it wasn't by having a love-in. Thank you. That's a message we all need to hear right now. Guitarist Wayne Kramer talks of being the tip of the spear for the generation, and the music was fucking loud, fast, and really well done. Yep. That was awesome. I want to hear a full song of that. Here it comes. That was the first motherfucker in the history of recorded music. They invented mother and fucker officially released. For the MC5. You want to kick this off, JD? Yeah, I just want to, you know, you want to talk about influence. How much does this sound exactly... Like the Ramones, or the last song sounded just like the Ramones. This sounds exactly like every odd garage band. Yeah. And this is when punk started. It did. Right here. It's impossible to list all the bands that the MC5 influenced, but I'll tell you a few that directly give them credit. Lemmy said there would be no Motorhead without the MC5. The Ramones, The Clash, New York Dolls, Black Flag, Mudhoney, and The Misfits. Basically, every kick-ass band you can think of owes a debt of gratitude to the MC5. I'll throw in Radio Birdman, too. The oh, yeah. Australian punk Australian. Band. Fuck yeah. Good one, Steve. Wait, wasn't wasn't somebody in Radio Birdland from the MC5? There was some. There was some really solid connection, and I, I'm pretty yeah, sure somebody the was. From there was that. also a connection to Sub Pop from the guys from Radio Birdman. Anyways, I, I don't. I'd have to look it up. It's been 50 years since the MC5 first formed, and there's still a major influence on rock and roll. And as we heard in the intro, the will kick out the jams, motherfuckers. The department store Hudson's, re, Michigan. Uh, Dayton Marshall Hudson's uh, refused to carry it because it was obscene. The band took out a full-page ad in a Detroit-based anarchy periodical claiming stick alive with the MC5. Fuck Hudson's. But then they put their record label's logo on it. (laughs) And Hudson's decided to remove all Elektra albums from their stores. It was a shit show that ended up with the band being dropped from their contract. Um, You dudes know the song Jail Guitar Doors by The Clash? Mm -hmm. Sing it. Let me tell you about Wayne and all the cocaine a little more every day. Uh, It's about Wayne Kramer. Joe Strummer and Billy Bragg started the Jail Guitar Doors charity in the UK, and Wayne co-founded the USA version of it. They provide musical equipment used for rehabilitation of inmates. How's that for fucking influence? Everyone listening to this should go to jailguitardoors.org and check it out. You can donate money or old guitars. I've done both, and I urge you to do the same. That's a good message, Dave. Thank yeah. you. Well, I, I really early on the plug hole. Well, I really dig this band. Uh, I support what Rain, Wayne Kramer has and does do. Uh, I, other I than agree. his heavy drug use in the 70s and 80s. And I, I bought. I just want you to know, I bought trees for. On behalf of all of us. Oh, thank you. After thank Africa. You. Oh, thank you. Africa Dabra. So, uh, all you voters, take your little pencil, put a uh, fill in the circle next to MC5. They're going into the hall, straight to the top. Here's a band that I think should go in. ELO. Maybe not this time. Yeah. But their time is to come. I saw them at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, the excitement from the crowd was palpable. People love this band to their core, including me. And Jeff Lynne, how, how important was he in music? Well, I'm pretty sure he's the only uh, Wilbury that isn't in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, they need to go, what, five he's for five, traveling. six for six? <laughs> yeah. 
I will say, I always thought that this particular song was very influential to Rusted Root. Yeah, perfect then. <laughs> but what, what does he say in this song? It's like, uh, what's that part of the song where it's like, me What? Yeah, I, I can't even remember. It's the, who did we go? He like, does that in this song. Higher and higher. No, no. no. There it is. We'll yeah. get it. What do you guys think? I, I feel like they should get in. I feel like they have the creative legacy. They had a long career. Uh, the best music is very, very, very good music. Um, yeah. I, think I don't know when a... they'll get in, but I feel I feel like they're one of the classic rock bands that are not in that still should be. Like Wait. it's not it's not just no. baby boomer favoritism for that these part. guys to get in. Oh yeah, he's take a yeah. It sounds like Rusty Drew. Sorry, Steve. Take the dive. Okay, anyway. <laughs> that, I'm sorry. That was just the part. I was done. I just talked through you. Good for you, Steve. Hunter was rude. <laughs> All right. Rusted rude, more like. Okay, Jay Giles Band. Oh, I got fuck. No. I'll give you my opinion. Yeah. No, thank you. Hard no for me. No. <laughs> this is, this, the, he could, Jay Giles Band should be a... 2016. Yeah, they would they fit right in. Right in. <laughs> they should not get in this time. I can't no. ever. That's enough. Let's get, move on. If these guys get in, it's just a bunch of fucking baby boomer bullshit, and you all should be ashamed of yourselves. These guys are not rock and roll hall of fame. yourself for even nominating them, because their early stuff is unremarkable, and then like they're. they're their popular stuff is pretty much like one hit wonder garbage. It doesn't yeah. sounds nothing like the rest of their catalog. Garbage. No, you don't need to put every fucking band on classic rock radio in the Hall of Fame. No. No, you do not. But this band, Jane's Addiction, with their song Jane Said. Mm. Now listen. I'm not a necessarily a fan of this band, but when I was a teen and the kids were listening to them, I was my friends were listening to this and they were picking up guitars and trying to sing Jane Says and they were fucking loving Perry Farrell and all his hijinks. Yeah, I think they had two good albums, took a 13-year hiatus, came back with two unforgettable albums. And Unforgettable? I think forgettable. Jesus Christ. That's what you mean. Yeah. yeah. You mean forgettable. Yes. Forgettable You're albums. Just for making sure so people did go out buy those albums. It's an oral medium. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I'd like to see what the response would be if uh, Lollapalooza wasn't such a touchstone for our generation. I think without that, I I don't think people would pay a lot of attention to Perry Farrell. Lollapalooza no. should be in the Hall of Fame if yeah. they like concerts in. That was important. Um, Having said that, I was a big Jane's Addiction fan, uh, you know, in the early 90s, of the two albums, not the forgettable ones that came later. <laughs> I, I never got into these guys. I, I, I feel like they have four good songs. I feel like they are incredibly overrated musically. Their four good songs are very, very good, but God, I just don't... I don't hear it. I've I, never heard it with these guys. I feel that m this song may have also influenced Rusted Group. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> but uh, Jamiroquai too. But I think I think there's other bands that need to get in before Jane's Addiction. Absolutely. Maybe down the road, um, the Pixies aren't in yet. Oh yeah. Jesus! Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Seriously? So, so the same yeah. people who were um, influenced by these guys were further influenced uh, by flush the, other bands. Flush these guys down the toilet. Janet Jackson, Escapade. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I feel like 
Janet Jackson is this dance. Like she was the first dancing, singing black female phenomenon. Big flashy shows like Beyonce might not exist today if it were not for the trailblazing yeah. of Janet Jackson. Paul Abdul say what wouldn't. you yeah, say what Neither you will about, say what you will about Beyonce. She's important and she's keeping music alive. And just her her street cred with seven number one albums and oh. eighteen top ten hits in a row. Yeah. That's that's fucking yeah, staying power. That's a catalog of hits. And it's not just commercial success. It's also that she has a creative legacy. Like she 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 did a lot of like kind of feminist material in the mid to late 80s and and early 90s and I don't think she gets quite enough credit for it. Um and it's really good music. It's yeah. Yeah. her first two albums are just there's just Smash after smash after smash. Produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Yeah. Very yeah. sweet dudes. Minneapolis guys. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Prince uh, cohorts. I, I don't know if it's Janet's time yet. I don't think it yeah, is either. I don't think she's going to get in because, this round, but she definitely deserves to get in. Yeah, she absolutely should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She's not one of our four, yeah. so you shouldn't vote for her. If you already voted for her, we're not going to be mad at you. Right. I you almost get, you get picked five, her as mine, actually. You get five yeah. votes? I think you do. I yeah. don't know. You get yeah. five uh the five top, the top five win. So they can pick ours, and then they get a wild one, card. One more. Yeah, yeah. We're leaving them a wild card. Um, Not this sure is a good Janice choice time. for your wild card yeah. voters. All right, time for my favorite band. I don't worry about looking good. Everybody, oh gee, I don't know. I like pasta, and I like beer, and I like wine. <laughs> The great Steve Perry. Yeah. <laughs> this is Journey. Being able to I say, can't believe you picked Journey as your band for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, JD. Being able to say Journey is a nominee for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame gives me chills. I've been fighting and arguing for this for years. I didn't know who to talk to. It happened without me having to go to the top, the man at the top. I, I'm well pleased to be able to talk about Journey here today. So the band Journey started with a roadie and a dream. <laughs> Herbie Herbert was a roadie for Santana when it all went to shit in 1973. He suggested guitarist Neil Sean and keyboardist frontman Greg Raleigh form a band from the ashes of Santana, and Journey was born with Herbie Herbert as their manager. And it was an absolute failure. <laughs> despite the fact that Herbie and Neil were visionaries that would change rock and roll forever. After three absolutely shitty albums, they hired the platinum voice of Steve Perry. Now a three-legged stool of genius, Herbert, the businessman, Sean, the guitar god, and Steve Perry, the voice of how sex feels, Journey was primed to blast off and shatter the airwaves with their perfect pop rock and incredible live concert events. Journey has sold 48 million albums in the United States. That puts him at 25 on the all-time list of best-selling artists in America. Just below Jethro Tull. <laughs> the ones ranked higher than Journey and are, that are not in the hall are country folks like Garth Brooks, George Strait, Shania Twain, and softy ladies like Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, and Barbara Streisand. I think all those women maybe should be in. That's just it's, my opinion. Especially Whitney Houston. Especially her. Oh, yeah. Whitney Houston's not? No, she's no, not, not in not. yet. Then it's definitely not Janet's turn. Yeah. 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 So... It basically, that makes Journey the highest-ranked U.S. best-selling rockers not in the hall. It's their time now. So this song, Lights, was the first song on the first album featuring Steve Perry. That album was called Infinity, which was named after the amount of time their legacy would influence the world of music. It's true. It's a fact. <laughs> 
Lights only hit, this is crazy, it only hit 68 on the Billboard Top 100. It didn't even crack the top 40, but who hasn't heard of this song today? It's everywhere, and that's a testament to how amazing Journey is. It's as if they fracked the American conscience, drilling deep and setting charges that might go off at any time, causing emotional earthquakes when we least expect them. It's, the, it's like kids are born with Journey Dynamite inside of them, and more and more youngsters are discovering them every day. This is the toxic wastewater of love. <laughs> I hear that voice, and I go, wow, that is a pure voice. You're like the Velvet Fog of Woodstock or something. Velvet Fog of Woodstock. <laughs> he is a Velvet Fog of Woodstock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still a little hung up on uh, Journey being the three-legged stool of rock. They're going to get a fourth leg. I, well, yeah, I mean, you need minimum. No, they're not the three-legged stool of rock. They are a three-legged stool. Oh, of they're, genius. They're, they're strong, a three-legged well, stool of rock. Yeah, and you it need at least three painful. legs to stand. No, like a stool. Oh, yeah. Like a stool. Two-legged oh. stool is going to fall right over. Not yeah. stool like poop. Oh. A stool like you sit on. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's always been the criticism of Journey, that they may not get in, that they're that their stool. <laughs> so, this is any way you want it live off, the, off of Journey's captured album. Journey Live is a very special thing, and not a lot of people know this, but they revolutionized the live concert experience. This is from this is from Captured. It was released even before they exploded into the being the biggest band of America. This album helped. Yeah, but, Caddyshack helped this song too. Amen. But their live shows not only rocket boosted Journey to success, but the success of the entire live concert industry. You see. There was a company, Nocturne, formed by Herbie Herbert and Neil Sean that developed a concert broadcast technology that continues to innovate today. Yes, Journey was the first band to use large video screens at their concerts. And it's not like somebody said, hey, we got this thing, you want to be the first to use it? Herbie Herbert and the band started the company and developed the technology so Journey fans in the back could enjoy the concert. So for rock and roll, that's like, hey, radio fans, we got a new thing for you called TV. This innovation was early. Earth-shattering. <laughs> Nocturne, the uh, company, began providing live concert and taping for productions of, uh, to other acts in 1982, and the company just exploded. I think Neil and Herbie just recently sold their stake in it, but Nocturne is still innovating today, making the live concert experience more artistically interesting. You, got, you go to see Kanye, Katy Perry, Beyonce, the biggest acts in music today. You don't get a concert, you get this avant-garde LED light show. It's mind-blowing stuff. And, you know, you may be like, oh, those those people suck, I don't care, blah, blah, blah. But with album sales tanking, live concerts are all that's keeping music on life support. Yeah, that's true. All thanks to Journey being an awesome band that people in the back of their shows wanted to see better. So how's that for an impact on music? Yeah, I, I have a feeling that if Journey didn't exist, uh, Tommy Lee ne would have never played his drums Drum set on a roller up, coaster. <laughs> upside down in front of the audience. Yeah, and that's, that's <laughs> the talk of the town every time Motley Crue comes through. Yeah, well, I remember when he bungee jumped out and they didn't do the calculations right and smacked his head on the floor. That was the talk of the town for And a while. also thank you, Journey, for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for anybody who dismisses Journey as just another bunch of arena rock hacks, I will say fuck you. They literally set the stage for arena rock. Yep. Them they're, and arenas. They are pioneers, and pioneers get into the hall. Yeah, I agree. They absolutely have the creative legacy, and people are going to go, Ew, arena rock, what's that? It doesn't deserve representation. It absolutely deserves representation in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. These so guys much pretty much invented it, and they were the best at it. Amen. 
got this great idea. I got some torches. I got a cave. I got some smoke. You're gonna love it. I got these chicks in leather. They all got dog collars on. You're gonna love it. You know. You can't beat a Steve Perry interview. Kind of sounded like Trump there. I know. Yeah, he kind of did. So this fucking song here. Don't uh, stop believing. You know, I don't get sick of this song. Yeah. In, in 2009, Don't Stop Believin' became the number one song sold on iTunes, not released in the 21st century. So suck on that a little bit. Journey is not a band that just had a couple hits in the 70s and 80s and faded away. They created cultural touchstones that remain powerful to this day. I, I know, I don't know if this is a good argument or not, but I'll make it anyway. Imagine Journey was a one-hit wonder and this was their only song. Think about the scope and cultural impact this song alone had. And not just a one-time punch when it was released off the Escape album in 1981. It didn't even make number one then, but it holds on and grows today. It made a video game. It was a soundtrack to a video game. God. Yeah. Yeah. What? That was, that was Culture. Yeah. Tell me about it. So this song punched... It punched again in, in, with a video game, and then again in 2001 with one of the first ever meme videos, Journey, a tribute to America. Do you remember that? With the, yeah, I. The Mondegreen heaven is a funky moose. I introduced you to that. I remember. Like, oh. uh, there's several touchstones in our history of Journey, and that was one of them. Another one was. Who did you meet? Was it Greg Raleigh? Yeah, Greg Raleigh. Yeah. We, we talked to Greg Raleigh, the yeah. bass player for in Journey, together. Backstage from the, the Ellen Show. show. Yeah. Um, so this song punched again in 2005 when it helped the Chicago White Sox win the World Series. Yep. And it keeps punching for every every Down hopeful way. baseball game. Um, it punched again in 2007 when it helped give The Sopranos one of the greatest TV shows of all time. An ending that gets better and better the more I think about it. And it punched again when it was a feel-incredible finale to Rock of Ages, the Broadway show <laughs> celebrating 70s and 80s rock that musically basically says, this song sums it all up. And it punches every time regular teens today sing along with it in their cars. Yeah. You remember the gene meat that Greg Raleigh was packing? Well, that's the, what uh, I, I was sorry. I yeah. was silently oh, asking. That's okay. Like, uh, Greg, Greg Rally has beautiful Gene Me yeah. on Journey. What, uh, what album you, is that? And you guys saw uh, it live? I think it's on the back of Infinity. He's I got think, yeah. Movie. He's got blue pants, a blue yeah. suit. Yeah, he was out, outside smoking a cigarette. Uh, and he, He's just like, hey, my eyes are up here, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> nice to meet you, Greg Rally. Um, Don't Stop Believing is also the perfect example of what a Journey song became once keyboardist and songwriter extraordinaire Jonathan Kane joined the band. With Kane on board, Journey was a solid four-legged stool. Yeah. Guitar, songwriter, voice, and management. An unstoppable force in pop rock. Journey itself is a lot like this song. There have been attempts at imitation, but no one has quite captured the spirit that made it so timelessly appealing. And nobody was musically good enough to make the stuff soar like this. Like, to me, Journey was always the most musically sophisticated arena rock band. Um, outside of Boston, nobody else really came close. Like, you listen to maybe an REO Speedwagon album. Yeah, it's kind of hacky. It's kind of hacky. It's, it's guys punching above their weight. It's guys aiming for grandeur, but not quite having the skill level of Journey to get there so effortlessly. Journey was like, you know, they, they, they played in Santana, like you were saying. They're all jazz-trained guys. They brought those chops. They brought that extra sense of melodic sophistication to their best stuff. And even though I, I, I don't know their catalog outside the Greatest Hits album that well, I feel like if any arena rock band gets in, it has to be Journey. They're the, they're, they're the ones who are good enough 
and deserve it. I don't get why you wouldn't want arena rock acts in there. They're the most popular. Why, why don't you want popular bands in the hall? Yeah. Because I feel like it I gets feel like, people interested in the music, which then they can go on and move to more arty stuff as they mature. I feel like there is a suspicion of acts that are too populist. That maybe they're not good. Well, yeah, that maybe they're not good. That maybe they're just, they're, they're too much like, you know, meathead dude music. Well, yeah, uh, a guy who listened to Journey may have been an asshole to you in high school. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Probably was. They, they are, the, the, Journey's sorry now. We need to move. Yeah. We need, I might have been there was a guy to you in Journey named I am Neil Schoen that may have been an asshole to a lot of people. Yeah, everybody See, in listen, Journey may have been an asshole to everybody. We've made a lot of mistakes. We need to move on. Let's not compound the mistakes and not put Journey into the hall. Uh, a final note to the guys of Journey and Steve Perry. Bury the hatchet, you guys. Like, get it together. Get together one last time to perform when you get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We know you love Arnell Pineda, your new lead singer, but very inspiring story. Yeah, it's wonderful. He's great. He's great at singing for Journey, but America will have voted you in because they love that original Steve Perry Journey. So get it together, guys. Let's see you perform with Steve one last time. JD, would you fly to that induction ceremony if Journey got back together to watch the concert? If I was a richer man, I would. Steve. <laughs> but I, I, I think I need to um, donate to charity a couple times first before I, before I do. <laughs> and that. also take care of your family. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, all right. Here we go. Welcome to Texas. The show me the Latino vote everyone keeps saying will turn Texas blue state. Well, hold on. Let me double check to make sure Joe Texas from Texas. Okay, he is. We're clear. He's from Rogers, Texas. Sorry, I saw Joe Millionaire for oh, a second. He's from Virginia. Uh, he is from Texas. This song, I got you. It's great. Joe Tex. Uh, maybe people will remember this from uh, Reservoir Dogs. Oh, yeah. yeah this, was this, this was one of those songs that Quentin Tarantino brought back. <laughs> Tarantino. 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 I watch my Tarantino films like Reservoir Dogs. Is it Tarantino? Tarantino. 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 Yeah, he's, he's not a uh, cultural touchstone or anything. I, I get why you wouldn't have heard his name. You've only you guys read see, it. You guys keep getting Porcaro and Porcaro confused. It's true. It yeah, but it's not quite as prevalent. You know what? Oh, Never mind. By the way, Joe Tex, he's also a nominee in the Rock and Roll yes, Hall of Fame. Yes, he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, and this song, I Gotcha, was his biggest hit, reaching number two in 1972. Uh, I've never heard of him until I saw him on the ballot. And the fact is, it's kind of a poor man's James Brown. And I'm not sure a poor man's anyone should be in the hall, especially when the rich man's version is such a clear influence on music. Joe Tex, his influence is money to me, and I don't think he's very famous. I myself would refrain from voting for him this time. Yeah. I didn't know that this was Joe Tex, but I know this song, and I know this was incredibly influential, and in all of his stuff was. Uh, and even though he was eclipsed by James Brown, he was still incredibly influential, the funk, soul, and R&B. But if you really want to show some rock and roll history, Joe Tex 
is the originator of the diss track. <laughs> Apparently, his rivalry with James Brown was so intense that James stole his woman, aka singer B. Ford, Texas ex-wife. Brown later wrote to Tex and said, hey, you can have her back now. I'm done with her. <laughs> but Joe Tex wrote the song that we're now listening James, to, which is You Keeper. Uh, James, I got you, Lena. <laughs> James, I got you. We're he calling out James Brown by name. And so, like, highlights of this rivalry include a dance battle. <laughs> making yeah, they, they did accuse each other of stealing each other's yeah, moves. Making He made fun of, he used to make fun of James Brown getting lost in his cape on stage. Uh, he, used to, he accused James of stealing his moves and then he challenged him in, to a fight for the moniker of number one soul brother. So, Texan Brown, they were the original Biggie and Tupac and one of those names is going to get in. Yeah, he's a great example. Joe Tex is a great example of a guy obscure enough and then like years, decades after he's initially eligible, he, he might get in. He's perfect veterans committee. Uh, yeah, he's kind of on the he's kind that. of one of those on the bubble type artists. I also want to point out that uh, this song is delightful and I'm hearing it for the first time here. James uh, Agachi has Joe Tex has songs. Uh, there's one one of his biggest hits was called Skinny Legs and All about how he couldn't find anybody to bang this woman with skinny legs. Like they were too skinny for everybody. And he also has a song called Ain't Gonna Bump with No Big Fat Woman No More. <laughs> kind of a uh, that's exactly like kind of a three bears parable. Yeah, this guy's great. This guy's great. He deserves to be in the hall. Maybe not this year. Oh, wait, what are some other people from Texas? Uh, we got ZZ, Let's name them. ZZ Top, Beyonce, Butthole Surfers, Dixie Chicks, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Bobby Fuller, Jim Reeves, Tex Ritter, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, and the Butthole Surfers again. Uh, the Fabulous Thunderbirds, uh, Buddy Holly, uh, Roy Orbison, Janis Joplin, uh, Kenny Rogers, and uh, Best Friends, uh, the Ghetto Boys, uh, with Kenny Rogers, and the at the Drive-In. And also, let's not forget the Butthole Surfers. Yeah, and also the Butthole Surfers. Ah, thank you, Steve. And a hundred six. All right, and I was born in Houston. But I didn't have made any music. Plug hole. Plug hole. Uh, I'm not going to read my big political thing. Okay. All right. But go to vote.gov and register for crying out loud. Yeah, you so really should. We've got a big battle on our hands. And let's, and let's look to the future and make sure, instead of bitching about states with voter ID laws and suppression laws, people get uh, motivated now to maybe lend a hand to help people get those things. Maybe vote.whatever will help people with that. And also, vote, vote dot fucking... whatever. Go to vote.whatever. I don't know what it vote is. Vote.gov gets you registered. There you also, go. Also, vote in the fucking midterms. Yeah, that's what we're that's what we're fighting. Well, for. let's first make sure everybody can because you just told us not to worry about voter ID laws. No, no, no. We should. Yes. No, no don't don't complain about them. Do something about yeah. them. Take that 90-year-old woman. Take action. To, Revolutionize. To Instead of bitching about it, we need to we, we need to get people out there to get IDs so they can vote. Oh, I see what you, Okay, yes, I see what you're saying. And so not just signing up. We got to make sure everything is in order. Uh, by the way, we're all Trump supporters, by the way. Just I, I don't care who you vote for. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like people having their vote taken away. Right, it's terrible. That's that's nearly nearly half funny. I know it's too soon. Nearly no, half the is, country this, did not vote in this, this election. This is airing like two weeks later, so it's, it'll it, it'll never okay. be. It'll never be. Okay. 
Uh, hey, I was on Drunk History a couple weeks hey. ago. Hey! Hey! Yeah, it's an episode called Siblings, and you can uh, see me puke in a bucket. Check All it out right. on, on Comedy Central's website. Yeah. Uh, and t-shirts, we t-shirts. have t-shirts. Beyond Yacht Rock t-shirts still. It's too late to get an I'm Bob Seeger shirt. We cut it off on the 15th, but we don't have many off-size pre-orders to justify a run for Beyond Yacht Rock shirts, so we may be issuing refunds for those of you who pre-ordered out-of-stock Beyond Yacht Rock t-shirt sizes. So if you want out-of-stock size, which includes men's extra large, you better get on there and order the crap out of them. Otherwise, we can't get them to anybody. Yeah. Uh, right. Vote with your dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, purchase uh, Beyond Hot Rock shirts. Yeah, yeah. we got to get on the ball with uh, getting more merch up there. Hey, yeah. send us suggestions of stuff that yeah, you'd like to buy. Yeah, what would you guys buy? What would you want to buy from us? Yeah. yeah. Because the, the, the Buttons, more... stickers, Beyond Yacht Rock cock rings. Uh, a poster, a yeah. coffee mug, a, a record a record buying bag. Autographed uh, 11 by 18 of old Hollywood Steve on and the toilet. Any feedback of anything that you would really like to have that we could pr- possibly provide for you. Our, our margins are razor thin. We would like to, to, to <laughs> nail it. You know what I would like is a more concise plug hole. All right. <laughs> Fuck you, Dave. Now nah, you're right. That was shitty. I'm sorry. Getting back in the list. Uh, Joan Baez. This is the night that drove old Dixie down. Joan Borez is more like it. Yeah. She's only famous because she was at Woodstock. And, and ran around with Bob Dylan. I'm yeah. not familiar with the bulk of her work, but... That right there. That She's right been there. eligible since 85, and this is her first nomination. I don't think it's happening this year. Steve, do you know anything we don't know about her? I know she's a folky, and... We know that. And what anything we don't know? I hate folk music. Oh, I didn't know that. Even if it's good. She's a good folk artist, but I really... I really have a hard time putting folk music in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, I'll put rap in there any day of the week. I just... Music, if it's not folk rock, if it's just straight up folk music, it doesn't rock at all. There's none of the, there's very little of the attitude that gets you into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, I just, there's, I, very, there's no fucking backbeat to folk music. It's so fucking white. It, okay, yes. Go ahead, Hunter. The, quick, quick two cents. The, 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 it also focuses a, a predecessor to protest music, which is very much part of rock and roll, and it also one of the things that makes rock and roll fucking cool is protesting. And folk was the first thing to do that before anything. It it, it, it gave that to rock and roll. She was also a contemporary of Bob Dylan, and some might look at her as the female Bob Dylan. Um, with how influential she was to other female artists. Hunter, I'll grant you the point about protest music. I just can't fucking listen to folk protest music. Well, a lot of people say that about rap music. A lot of people are wrong. Pearl Jam. Even flow. Pearl Jam's probably a shoo-in this year. Absolutely a shoo-in. Uh, great, great wild card vote for you folks because they're outside of the four that we're recommending. Yeah. But uh, God, what a great band! What a long-lasting legacy! Uh, I, I guarantee you, they've influenced many, many, many people. Yeah. There we go. I, I, I think, I think they should get in. I think they will get in this year. Um, I. I'm not a huge fan of their later work. I mean, I haven't heard a lot of it, but this their first album was fucking perfect. It was a great, yeah. like, modern-day arena rock record. Came out at the right time. Yeah, came out at the perfect time. Uh, a lot of people might forget that they were more popular than, than Nirvana by the time they're, they're, like, the second round of big yeah. commercial albums came out. 
Um, and the I've one- always I've always found them a little disappointing for when when they stopped crafting the arena material and tried to like go spontaneous and punk. So maybe all the all the bitching I do about how we suck at improv is not a bad thing. <laughs> Because people are not always at their best when they're trying to be spontaneous and off the cuff. My friend Derek Waters, host of Drunk History, who I often appear on CNN yeah. Comedy Central's website, he says that he loves Pearl Jam. Says they're the best rock band live yeah. ever, and he likes to go see them. I've never seen them live, and it's one of the great. I did of actually. My life. Derek got pissed at me because I was backstage and I couldn't get him there. Yeah. He loves the fucking band. I, I've seen them live. They were probably number one band for me as a third, 12, 11, 13 year old. Um, they, they, ta- got- they tailed off. I never got to see them because they never toured because of their shit with Ticketmaster. Oh, yeah, yeah And yeah. it was impossible to go see them, and I saw them, a f- like, years ago. That was my Guns N' Roses-ish concert that, like... They made they, me want to cry. These guys were the band that got me into real... Got me off a of Weird Al and got me into real music. <laughs> <laughs> okay, pass. Pass. Step Born to be Wild. No. What the fuck? Why are they uh, even nominated? Uh, they have two uh, good songs. Yeah, Magic Carpet Ride and this. And, and they sound like everybody else at the time. Aside from coining the term heavy metal thunder, uh, there's, I mean, like I said in the Guy Ree episode, this is the song Grandma will take of uh, the grandkid in sunglasses and send it to you. <laughs> That's how benign this fucking song has it's become. Yeah. Any other strong opinions? They don't deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You get it? Yeah, it's, it's a motorcycle. Band. Motorcycle band. Yeah. Uh, I it like this. And this is a car band. Just what I needed. <laughs> I see what yeah, there we go. Um, I think this band should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, I agree with their you. Their first album alone should make the mandatory inductees, and their catalog should seal the deal. They're yeah, fucking they, fantastic. They have a strong legacy. Um, they they uh, they have tons of good songs. Stylistically, they kind of fuse that mainstream late 70s, early 80s rock sound with the new new wave sound. Mm-hmm. They kind of bridge that gap. And they were commercially successful. They were creatively successful. They used the new medium of music videos to uh, a greater degree than a lot of their contemporaries. They were a great band for that era. They stand the test of time. They should absolutely be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And let's talk about the elephant in the room, guys. Any band with a guy as ugly as Rick Ocasek who yeah. gets to make love to early 80s Paulina Porviskova? Mm-hmm. Holy crap, there's got to be some magic in that band. Yeah. Hall of Fame magic you, is what that is. Yep. Are you talking about uh, rock stars? Having sex with models? Yeah. I'm talking about this ugly rock star making love to the most like the, uh, beautiful model. Like the Billy Joel, uh, Christy Brinkley, huh. sort of. I'm just saying that might come up later. Oh, okay. Okay. But the cars should get in eventually. I don't know if this is the year, but they should definitely be in. All right, time for Steve's pick. Here we go. All right. Who are we listening to, Steve? Why, it's Chic. This, as I should say, say Chic. They're introducing themselves. Yeah. Say Chic. This is Chic. How many nominations? Which, what year? How many nominations have they had? It's 10 or 11. 11. 11. 11. This is their 11th nomination. I think it's about time they get in. Yeah, they absolutely should. Chic is the Susan Lucci of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, except they never, they still haven't won the big one like she finally did. Um, Chic. Generally regarded as the best band of the disco era, they're one of the few disco artists to score a lot of hits with any regularity during that music's short-lived prime. Um, 
I'll talk about the core of the band real quick. Guitarist Niall Rogers, bassist Bernard Edwards, drummer Tony Thompson. They went through several singers, including Norma Jean Wright, Lucy Martin, and Alpha Anderson. And they also employed a young Luther Vandross as a session singer. Ah, doesn't he call it Teddy Bear of music or something? I don't know. Never you, mind. Never mind. That might be Barry White you're thinking of. I think I think Luther Vandross has some Teddy Bear nickname, but continue. Okay. Uh, this song, obviously, is Le Freak. You should know it. If you don't, you're... Where have you been? Uh, this was one of the most commercially successful disco songs of all time. Sold 4 million copies in the U.S. alone. Spent five non-consecutive weeks at number one. Which is kind of interesting. It hit number one in December 1978. Dropped out for one week. Went back for two weeks. Dropped out for two more weeks. Then went back for another two weeks. Um, the original lyric... That, the, that inspired the song was Aw, fuck off It was written about the band trying to get into Studio 54 But being turned away Because Grace Jones forgot to put them on the list <laughs> Sorry <laughs> Sorry guys, I messed up That's because Grace Jones is a big woman Yeah, she's rather androgynous Ah, uh, so I'll get you next time <laughs> <laughs> So You can hear the song's it's got very clear roots in classic funk. It's got that scratchy, percussive James Brown-type guitar. It's got those intricate, melodic bass lines. The drums are less polyrhythmic. They're more thumping because this is a disco beat. Um, you add some disco strings on top. You got two hot chick singers on the album cover. There you go. You got a successful disco band. The thing I love about Chic is not only are they the most successful disco band, they're also the most original. Yes, absolutely. Their music is thick and interesting and complex, utilizing disco cliches while innovating in other ways. Like, regular disco gets boring, but Chic is a band that you can put on over and over again and never get bored. This is their year. This should be their year. Yeah, they Again, like Journey, it's it's a genre that people like to malign, mm -hmm. but the musicianship, like just the pure musicianship that goes into it is clearly superior than a lot of their competitors. We'll talk about that. Second crabs joke from Ocean City Defender. I guess <laughs> and they just keep are, getting better. Crabs are a real problem in Canada. <laughs> uh, this is a slightly lesser known chic hit. This is I Want Your Love. Uh, it kind of keeps up that polished up disco-fied funk sound of theirs. I almost picked the early single Dance, 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 Yowza, Yowza, Yowza to put here. But it didn't epitomize their sound as well. I just wanted to say that title out loud to tell you the truth. Anyway, uh, because of those roots in funk, Chic was sampled fairly often by hip-hop acts, especially for a disco band that you wouldn't think would... It's not the hardcore funk that you would expect, but they do epitomize that sound. Uh, this song shows up in Moody Man's Detroit house classic, I Can't, I Can't Kick This Feeling When It Hits. Uh, that, this song was the follow-up to Le Freak. It hit the top ten on both the pop and R&B charts. Have you guys been to the uh, Morrison restaurant in yes, Atwater? Yes, I watched yeah. the uh, Cubs-Dodgers clincher in, at the Morrison. Uh, the owner of that place, a dude named Mark, he was a DJ in Marina Del Rey in the 70s, and he discovered Chic. Sure he did. And uh, he uh, bought all their masters, yep. and he had a disco label for a while. Cool, yeah. And he's happy to tell you about it. Great, Mark. Cool. And then uh, he went on to be the president of the company Tap Out. 
And now wow. he uh, owns the Morrison. I'm and sure if you go does. in there, ask for Mark, he'll tell you all about it. Sure. Oh, okay. wait. Good I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I met that guy. Yeah. A great argument for why Sheik should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Steve, continue. Great. I'm going to talk about Sheik's uh, alternate life as a production team. Uh, so this song was originally written for Sister Sledge. The band ended up keeping it for themselves. Uh, but Niall and Bernard wrote and produced S Sister Sledge's two big hits, We Are Family, He's the Greatest Dancer. They also did Diana Ross's two biggest hits of the disco era, Upside Down and I'm Coming Out. After the disco backlash effectively ended Sheik's career as a band, uh, David Bowie invited Niall Rogers to produce his self-conscious return to the pop mainstream, Let's Dance. That kick-started the second phase of Rogers' career as a dance-friendly super producer. He uh, ended up producing Madonna's Like a Virgin album. He did the Honey Drippers EP for Robert Plant and Company. He did Duran Duran's Notorious album, Thompson Twins' Here's to Future Days, where he performed with both them and Madonna at Live Aid. Uh, from there, he produced several movie soundtracks, wrote the score for Coming to America, and he produced the B-52's big comeback and their commercial breakthrough album, Cosmic Thing, around 1989. It's getting too numerous to list, but anyway, the point is that Sheik's influence on dance music continued well after the disco era ended. It just happened behind the scenes. And while that has less impact on their candidacy as a self-contained band, I feel like it does point up the wealth of musical talent corralled herein. And along with the stuff Nile actually had a hand in, she can directly influence Queen, Blondie, In Excess, and The Clash. Yeah, they theater. all those bands all had tracks that were directly inspired by Sheik songs. Yeah, and Neil is still influencing modern music, collaborating with artists like Daft Punk and Sam Smith today. And he's got a really awesome hairdo. Yeah, still does. Still has the 70s dreads, right? Yeah, and he's, and he's still uh, rocking the shades, too. <laughs> 1970s drugs. Yeah. It's the best kind of drugs. <laughs> I want to listen to a full-length version of that song. This guy knows his drugs. <laughs> yeah. You got uppers, downers, 1970s drugs. All of them. Guys, what you hear right now is not a test. We all know this one. It's good times. It's a groove so funky that Sugar Hill Records just lifted it straight up as the backing track of the Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's Delight, which was the first rapper, rap record ever released. I believe they didn't sample it, they just had a live band recreated in the studio, if I remember correctly. Um, when Sheik performed this song live later on during the, the late, like the reunions, uh, they would incorporate some of the rap verses, like they'd do audience sing-alongs, because that's how so many people came to know this song. They did have to sue to get writer's credit, but, you know, all's well that ends well. Um, Good Times was a major success in its own right when it came out. Hit number one on the pop charts. It was the number one R&B song of 1979. It uh, sold five million copies, making it the best-selling single in Atlantic Records history up to that point. And its Wikipedia entry lists more than 20 other songs where it's either sampled or inspired by, meaning ripped off from. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I want to talk. We I talked about Niall Rogers' uh, production career earlier. I also want to mention bassist Bernard Edwards' production career. Uh, he produced the Power Station album. That was him, Tony Thompson, John and Andy Taylor from Duran Duran, and Robert Palmer. Uh, he then worked with Robert Palmer on his smash hit Riptide album, among many others. And Bernard's son, Bernard Jr., a.k.a. Focus, which is a great nickname for a, an R&B producer. Uh, his son became a successful R&B producer in his own right. Bernard sadly died fairly young at the age of 43. Will you please of stop pneumonia. telling stories about people who died? Like irrelevant I mean, people who died? I need I'll, to bet I'll bet you'd long to hear about a story at the Morrison now, huh? A guy in Sheik's son died? Come on. No, no, no. The guy from Sheik died. Oh. Bernard Edwards Sr. died. Oh, sorry. Okay, continue. Yeah, no, it, it was not long after he performed a show at uh, it's the really Budokan hard to pay, Arena. It's really hard to Tokyo. pay attention. Yeah. What do you suppose the Iron Sheik's up to these days? <laughs> He's got a fanta- uh, fantastic Twitter account. Oh, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, you, Iron you really Sheik, everybody. He's got some and the Morrison phrases. Restaurant in Atwater Village. He likes to call Justin Bieber Raisin Balls. But here's here's what I'm getting from Sheik. Is that Still like, hates Hulk Hogan. So Sheik is like a Petri disc growing and Even releasing... Uh, never mind. No, JD, go ahead. No, no, you don't get this one. Continue, Steve. All right, I want to talk. I want to wrap this up talking about why Chic is not in yet. First of all, they're a black disco band. There's too many rock hall voters that don't know classic R&B as well as they should. Much black like they disco. don't know. They don't know hip hop as well as they should either. Sorry. And they sure Was that as the shit. Chic. Shh. Steve, continue. They sure as shit don't care about disco because ethnic minorities and gays liked it. So, you know, that's not super rocking. Uh, Second, disco is such a singles-oriented medium that they don't have that one big classic landmark album you can go to and start with. It's just the hits compilations. And rock dudes do tend to be biased towards albums. You know, it's obviously not universal, but I, I think it does hurt them somewhat. And third... Old school rock criticism is really heavily biased in favor of music that thinks it's it's trying to change the world, and Chic is not really doing that. They just make awesome disco funk that people can dance to for eight minutes without getting tired of it. They have the legacy. They define their era. They deserve to finally get in. If you don't vote for them, you're probably a rat fucking racist. Yeah. Amen. That was great. Chic should be in. Fuck all of you not voting for him. <laughs> that was a black metal thing. I was doing black, black disco. Oh, I like thought you were trying to satanic disco. I didn't get that reference. I'm yeah. sorry. Anyway, yes. this is a long show, but it's good that it's long because it's an important show. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say we're going over, and Hunter won't get a chance. Oh, he's that's getting a fine. Chance. It's not a big deal. It's a zombies. She's not there. Zombies. You know, for a great band. I don't know yeah. if they're a rock and roll hall. I think. I think like, they are. I think, I think they, they. I think they're. I think the artistic legacy is there from the, that British invasion era. I think they did a lot of interesting stuff. Okay. I'm like. I'm not a super. I like them yeah, a lot. I like them. But I'm not like, oh, the zone. Yeah. They do have that one masterpiece Odyssey and Oracle album that, yeah, that you know, I mean, it's kind I'd, of a defining know, are moment the kinks? for psychedelia. Are the kinks in? Pretty sure yes. they are, yeah. Okay, what uh, about Dave Clark 5? They're in. If the Dave Clark 5 are in, the zombies should be in. Yeah, great Get art. it together. Okay. This Sorry. could probably be another veterans committee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of them rappers. To me, this is a shoe-in. This is Tupac, yeah. He's uh, like far my, too popular. My bet, my like number one and number two, Pearl Jam and Tupac, definitely getting in, in my opinion. 
Yeah. Um, I'm not that familiar with Tupac, but I do know a lot of his songs, and for as much of a shit as I give about most rap, that's saying a lot that it penetrated my conscience. And voters love a dead guy. Yeah. I've been, I hear, I, I don't, li I never listen to a lot of Tupac, but I listen to a lot of Kendrick Lamar, and I'm hearing a lot of Kendrick Lamar in Tupac. Um, anyone who influenced Kendrick, he's the most talent, one of the most talented poets and rappers in the world today. Poetry is writing, rapping is a performance to set poetry. Anyone who influences Kendrick Lamar deserves consideration big time. Yeah, I think, I think he was an icon for his time. I think he has the creative legacy. I would, just personally, I would love to see some less famous, really influential hip-hop artists get in, but, you know, I might be waiting a long time for that. I don't know who those people are. It'll be the Veterans Committee in 30 years. They just, they, yeah, I agree with you, Steve. I would like to see, Tupac deserves to get in, but I would like to see them lay the foundation. Yeah, yeah, I wish I wish that the foundation for hip-hop in the hall was stronger and more complete. This is yes. Long distance runaround. Mm. No, Rog. I thought yes would be a no, but then I didn't realize that they. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, laugh it up. No. I thought yes would be a no. JD doesn't like anything anyone else says. He didn't write that. That came right off the top it. of his yeah. head, so he's mad. Anyway, I'm mad. <laughs> no, there's no reason. It's but not reggae, JD. I thought, I thought yes shouldn't be in, but then I found out that this album, their first album, is from 1971. They're like a pioneering prog band. Yeah, yeah. they are yeah, probably the pioneering prog yeah. band. And that, yeah. King Crimson, too. And that set, who came first? Do you have any idea? King Crimson's first album came out in, I want to say, either 69 or 70. But they okay. had a definite, like, and then you have uh, Pink Floyd. Who, who was around before that in the psychedelic era, but yeah. didn't completely turn prog until a little later, after Sid Barrett. But these went guys nuts. were these guys were like pure like science prog, whereas whereas uh, King Crimson was very medieval y <laughs> wizardsy prog. So, so yeah. these were the pioneers of science prog, basically. Okay, <laughs> that's a new genre. Yeah. <laughs> they, should be, they should be in sometime for sure. Yeah, they should probably be here. in. I'm not a fan. Yeah. Okay, Hunter, you ready but, to take this yeah. home? I go. Here's Hunter's favorite. This morning I had the diarrhea. This morning I had to shit. Stomach pleasure. Stomach pleasure. <laughs> that was Dave's new favorite Kraftwerk song. That's <laughs> oh, so good. <sighs> well, this, yeah, this is my favorite. Here we uh, go. Takes a while to kick in. This is, uh,. There it is. Okay. Uh, I was lucky enough to go last, and I think it's fitting because I think I'm going to talk to talk about the band who is the most deserving to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, and that would be four German robots known as Kraftwerk. Kraftwerk! Kraftwerk. Uh, I hemmed and hawed about which song I was going to pick, this one in particular. Uh, <clears throat> they are so influential, Kraftwerk, that it would be easy to pick three of their most sampled songs and go from there, but I wanted to start at their new beginning. So, is this does this song stop? Is it? No, it doesn't. It must be my, sh my stuff. There it is there, again. It's back. Yeah, the machine broke. Uh, let's see. Ironic so, for I, a Kraftwerk song. I'm back the at the. Well, we're not in Germany. The trains don't That's really true. run on time here. Uh, <laughs> so this is their new beginning, and I'm gonna top top it off. I'm picking 
uh, I'm not topping it off, I'm starting with Autobahn. Um, this is their 1974 breakthrough. Yeah, this the, is where they, they kind of became Kraftwerk. This is absolutely where they became Kraftwerk because before, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but they're before times. Um, but the thing is, is that the, I think the biggest knock on Kraftwerk and the reason why they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of Fame is because they were so original their sound was so far off from the rock and roll mainstream um, that people, I don't think, they even consider them rock and roll. Yeah, and I think that just the fact that they're electronic too makes people go, oh, keyboards. I can't That's believe fake music. I can't believe that this song is from 1974. Yeah, 1974. Yeah. 1974. It's crazy. Yeah, this would be remarkable from 84. So, um, so their past is as a kraut rock band. Uh, it, which is a very rock and roll genre. But with Autobahn, they forge a new electronic direction, a direction that would make them famous and would push music, all types of music, into a new frontier. Um, but with that said, on Autobahn, and I picked this, you can hear their their most interesting rock and roll influence, which is the Beast, uh, the Beastie Boys. The Beach Boys. Um, now, while it sounds like they're saying fun, fun, fun on the Autobahn, uh, a direct reference to the Beach Boys. They are actually saying "Verfahren, fahren, fahren auf der Autobahn," which means driving, driving, driving on the autobahn. Not Never, that they're fond of the autobahn. Nevertheless, the nod is clear. Well, they are fond of the autobahn. Yeah, they're going driving on it. Um, love and, to drive on it. And it should be noted, uh, they rejected the notion that they were influenced by the Beach Boys earlier in their career when they were really forging as an electronic, trying to be different. But they relented later and admitted to the influence. Wait, so are you trying to tell me that these guys? Or a kraut rock? Were they called Kraftwerk when they were a kraut rock band before? Yes, they were. Yeah. Are you telling? That's crazy. That, that they means were... power plant, though. So they were like a power plant oh, of rock. But still, like it's so much more appropriate. It's like a perfect name for an electronic band, a terrible name for a rock and roll band. Anyway, great. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, so listen, you can hear the echoey surf guitar in there, the the airy flute that would come in, and you would hear that on a Pet Sounds uh, there it is, track. Yeah. Uh, the, the point is, Kraftwerk was a rock and roll band. Uh, they took rock and roll influence and chose to change rock and roll's direction. Uh, they were the German Beach Boys. Uh, they were setting a new direction for music in a post-World War II Germany, focusing on technology and transportation, very much akin to the Beach Boys' sunny boomer consumerist idealism that they liked preaching about California, except the only difference is Kraftwerk were robots. I really want full-length versions of these tracks. In, in the same articles I read about the Beach Boys being their influence, they also said Bauhaus and Sausages were also their influences. <laughs> uh, and as we know, transportation. Uh, anyways, uh, this is my second song. This is uh, The Model. Uh, to further prove the point that Kraftwerk was a rock and roll band, here's a song about wanting to have sex with a model. Uh, the number one reason rock and roll exists. Yeah, Rick Ocasek. Yeah. Well, and any anybody yeah. name anybody in a band. Yeah. Uh, this is off 1978's Man Machine. 
probably the closest, <laughs> and this is also probably the closest thing they have to a radio song. Uh, this coming in at three minutes and 41 seconds instead of like the 20 minutes that Autobahn was. <laughs> yeah, that was a sidelong thing, Autobahn. Uh, so who's Kraftwerk? Uh, famously, they are Rolf, uh, Rolf Hooter, Florian Schneider, Carl Bartos, and Wolfgang Fleur. Sure these guys are German? <laughs> Positive? You do your research and Dave tell you. <laughs> no, no, they're German. Hooter, Hooter and Schneider uh, uh, the, are the main driving force. They met at the Robert Schumann Music Conservatory, focusing on classical. Uh, they would form the Rocking Kraftwerk in 1969, complete with psychedelic guitar and aggressive drumming with Hooter on flute. Hooter the fluter? Uh, very much influenced by earlier artists, uh, the MC5 and and the uh, Stooges. Except um, with a flute. Yeah, but they were, you could tell, I mean, they were a pretty rocking band. Uh, yeah, it was there. Uh, moving further as, uh, Further, as their pro progressive rock ideals would necessitate, they became a fully mechanized electronic band in 1975, having added Bartos and Floor. Uh, they began touring as four dudes in suits standing in front of mini moogs, uh, ARP odysseys, and home-built drum machines. Uh, Schneider would uh, begin singing through a vocoder. Performances like this would uh, include opening for David Bowie's uh, Station to Station album tour of 1976. Uh, this song, The Model, would be their most successful song, making it up to 39 in the U.S. dance charts in 1978, but then reaching number one in the U.K. after a 1982 re-release. Um, oh, yeah, kind of in the middle of the, the, the new wave era. Yeah, they, this was more... The, the, the musical climate was more accepting it, of this it, kind of a Because sound. of it, themselves. Well, yeah, it yeah. came back to the music it influenced where it yeah. finally was timely. Because uh, yeah. it was so forward-thinking. But really, as far as Kraftwerk goes, you, they, they're not really defined by their own personal successes. Um, it's really other people's successes that had taken their influence. Yeah, really. it's really being the first band to sound like this and then everybody taking that blueprint and running with it somewhere else. We're back. We're back on the train. We're not on the on the autobahn. We're on the uh, train. That, that ocean Ocean City Defender guy. That dude gets it. Yeah. <laughs> Got a special brain in that little head of his. Yeah. Canadian head. You know uh, what he says in emails? Like I said, I really like these. These are gold and these are perfect. Yeah. He writes back, "Beauty, thanks a lot." <laughs> <laughs> you can hear the yeah. Canadian in his emails. Uh, I hope this makes you lots of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right. So I, I chose this song, Trans, Trans Europe Express, uh, because of influence. If you're if you're going to talk about Kraftwerk, you need to talk about their influence. Uh, much of music and art in general is not defined by your present popularity, but your impact on future generations. Most of the greats die poor and unappreciated before being recognized as, as geniuses later. Let's not make that mistake, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <clears throat> Let's recognize their genius as multitudes of musicians have already done uh, before. Yeah, I would not in a million years sit down and try to enjoy a Kraftwerk album, but as you're about to argue, their influence is immeasurable. And I, and I want to say that, that, that 
you'd be surprised how enjoyable their albums actually yeah, are. Yeah, they actually are. Yeah. Um, picking songs in the abstract doesn't really do it, do them justice. Putting it on and relaxing, you float in and out. It's wonderful. They're really fun albums to listen to. And it's hypnotic, but it's not uninteresting hypnotic. I'll give yeah. it a shot. I'll give yeah, it a shot. I'll bet uh, your son Junior would really dig it. I would love probably like this over reggae. Yeah. And there's a it's and, much better and than as reggae. And as you can hear, there's lots of changes in their songs, so there might be a part that doesn't really grab you. You wait a little bit longer, and there's something that you go, oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, keep in mind they're classically trained, so they, they know what they're fucking doing. Yeah. I'll tell you, their uh, influence on uh, the t-shirts people in my art classes in high school wore was certainly immeasurable. <laughs> <laughs> so... This this song, 1977's Trans Europe Express, um, it was basically it was basically reworked into uh, the hip hop defining song Planet Rock by African Babada and the Soul Sonic Force in 1982. The same year they were appreciated in the UK and in Europe. Um, yes, uh, Kraftwerk's beats were basically were essentially along with Chic were the, the basically the basis for early hip hop. Yeah, before before sampling yeah. happened. And without them, who knows what hip hop would be now, or if we'd even have a Tupac to induct. Um, so you have the pretty much the entire genre of hip hop that they influenced. Techno and house music, of course. Uh, they basically created EDM. They left lasting impressions on post-punk groups like Joy Division and New Order. Well, um, actually, Giorgio Moroder invented EDM, but directly influenced by Kraftwerk. Okay. He was the pine, He was the first guy to write an all-electronic dance song. Giorgio Moroder, I feel love, Donna Summer. Continue. Okay. I mean, you can dance to Kraftwerk. Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> uh, so you have. Post-punk groups like New Division and New Order, or Joy Division and New Order, uh, amongst many others, help, they help define the new wave and synth-pop genres. Um, if that's not rocking enough, how about industrial? How about alternative progressive art rock acts like Radiohead, uh, David Bowie, Coldplay? They're important. A lot of people like None, that. Nonetheless... Uh, yeah, never, nevertheless, what I'm saying to the Hall of Fame voters is this. Kraftwerk is a band arguably more influential than the Beatles. To reject them would mean you are rejecting anything that's not straightforward, blues-based hard rock. It would be regressive. You would be rejecting the, the future of rock and roll and dooming the Hall as a relic. Despite token admissions like N.W.A. and Tupac, your Hall would... Potentially Tupac. He's He'll get in. in. Your hall will continue to be a joke, incapable of understanding the very beginnings of modern music. That I am. That's I am putting that on you, voters. <laughs> Hunter, that was that was really well said. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks. No, I'm I'm not fucking around. I mean it. And I love this personal story you have. This really says a lot about Kraftwerk. Uh, yeah. So my my last the last thing about Kraftwerk is I I went to Coachella in two thousand in two thousand four before it became an Instagram background. Um, after an amazing show by the Pixies, and right before Radiohead were about to play, Kim Deal left the stage shouting to the audience, "See you all at Kraftwerk." Uh, at the Kraftwerk tent. She actually said the tent. Um, I was 24. I didn't really know Kraftwerk that well, but I went and saw them, and it was the best show of the night, and it was fucking packed. You, you could barely get in there. It, it, well, you couldn't get in there. People were surrounding their tent. Um, it, it, and at that point, it became clear to me why bands like the Pixies, The Cure, 
Radiohead, why they all came to Coachella, and it wasn't just to play for the fans, it was to be a fan too, and that meant seeing Kraftwerk in all their glory. They blew my mind that night, and they deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Amen. I'd like to point out that Hunter's wearing a shirt that says Nuke Coachella. <laughs> um, for you listeners at home. He liked it at the time. Uh, but that, that shows you how how important it was at the time. Yeah. And how much it's regressed. Alright. That was a great, great arguments, guys. It was a long haul, but we fucking made it, and now the Rock Roll Hall of Fame is going to get four great bands in it. This was an important episode. I'm glad we went long on it. Uh, Got to make these cases. Who's not in the hall? Who's not nominated this year? Who should be nominated next year? I say (laughs) motherfucking Toto. If you need my argument, listen to the first 45 episodes of Beyond Yacht Rock and tell me Toto wasn't influential in music. (laughs) And that's an amazing pick. They absolutely should be there, and it's part of the uh, Yacht Rock wing. Um, maybe I'm going a little bit off the board here, but for fuck's sake, put the goddamn monkeys in the Rock and Roll yes, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Absolutely. I know they were a corporate TV show concoction, but you know what? They sang some pretty fucking good songs and honestly made some pretty fucking good albums. Yes. And they're reaching to the audience. And let me remind everyone, it's the fans that make rock and roll, not just you voters. Well, their popularity was basically unmatched. And the music was good. Like, boomers have this image of, like, ugh, they're fake. Like, we don't have, we don't yeah. really have that context and to go off of. It's All we have is the music. And it's good. It's went, really good. And they went off the rails and went nutballs crazy. Well, they yes, wrote their they own got stuff. Even more it was incredible. Yeah, and they yes. went on to produce, uh, was it Peter um, Nesbitt? No, it's um, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike Nesbitt. Nesbitt. Yeah, he's a genius. Yeah, Peter Mike Nesbitt's, Nesbitt's a guy I work with. My, he, uh, Mike Nesbitt went on to uh, produce, did he produce the Doors? Is that I, don't right? I don't know. No, he produced pretty... Repo Man and had yeah. an awesome soundtrack. And this is yeah. a song off an awesome soundtrack, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Vision Quest, Journey Only the Young. Dave, who should, uh, been, who should you be guys next year? both made great picks? Uh, I'm going to skip Buckner and Garcia. I'm going to say Iron Maiden. <laughs> but you said it. Iron said Maiden it. is consistently amazing, still mm-hmm. putting on incredible concerts, and you would be hard pressed to find any metal band that followed them that would not claim them as an influence. Without Iron Maiden, there would be no Slayer, no Anthrax, or Metallica. I mean, there probably still be post-Anjustice Metallica, but you get my fucking point. Dave, uh, you're absolutely right. I also think Judas Priest and Motorhead from that era should be yeah. in there right next to yeah, Iron Priest Maiden. Priest definitely should. Yeah, the Priest is absolutely should. Uh, but one of the biggest things that the Hall gets criticized for is the relative lack of female artists, and they are continuing to overlook a glaringly obvious musical genius, Kate Bush. Amen, brother man. That was a great show. Great opinions, everybody. We so did it. Join us next episode. I'm in the captain's chair with a genre I like to call Sar California. Songs that make California sound great, but if you really listen to them, they're about how shitty California is. It might be another Moon Boots or it might be great. Tune in and find out. Find this week's. They're two- called Moon Boots now. Moon Shots. See, I can't even, get, I can't even <laughs> speak the name. You've blocked it out of your mind. Find this week's 2017 Hall of Fame Voters Guide playlist by following J.D. Rizner on Spotify. Go to YachtRock.com to buy t-shirts, read the captain's blog, and see show notes by Tim Malcolm. Follow him on Twitter at Timothy Malcolm for fun facts. Send questions via Twitter at YachtRock. Follow J.D. at J.D. Rizner. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow David, David underscore B underscore Lions. Follow Hunter at Hunter Stare. Like YachtRock on Facebook. For the love of God, rate and review us on iTunes. Your reviews help us pick up heat, so please take the time today to write a review. Thanks to at OC Defender, Ocean City Defender, my main man for sending in these bumpers. 
Additional bumpers by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Thanks to producer Dustin Marshall for rocking hard now and apologizing later. Check out other Feral Audio podcasts at feralaudio.com. It's a website on the net, and it's a good one. I am Hooter, the flute tutor. <laughs> Thank you.